Hey guys, what is up? It's Manda with Flourishing with PTSD. I'm so excited to have you guys back for another episode. It's just been a whirlwind of things with Christmas and New Year's and getting back into school and everything like that. I just can't believe it. So in order to prep for that and because I love myself, I decided to pre-record an episode. So I'm actually recording this um, about a week before I plan to release it. But, you know, that's just how we got to do. We got to live life and we got to plan accordingly and, you know, call this a version of self-care. So... If you guys remember last week, I had one of my amazing friends, Caitlin, on the show to talk about how trauma evolves and how she has witnessed my personal progress as well as what it was like for her to be a support person. Um, It was so fun to have her on the show and I hope you guys really liked that. I know it's a long episode, but I just think that there's a lot of great information in there about um, just representing another perspective and, you know, the more you can get with that, the better for sure. So... Um, usual disclaimer as always, I am not a medical professional in any way, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not any of that, I'm just your friend Manda here to give the best advice I can come up with from my personal experience um, with trauma, which is in the context of a sexual assault and living with PTSD, also known as post-traumatic stress disorder, and we're just going to talk about a lot of things on this show in terms of anxiety, depression, and a lot of post-trauma recovery experiences. So hopefully you guys are digging it. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a review so I know what to do better and what you guys already like. So with that being said, we're going to jump right into it today. Um, As I am so privileged as always, I have a guest speaker on with me today. She is the one and only Caitlin, my best friend, and she was on last week and we just thought we needed we needed to do another episode. Um, we were talking and just another topic that was really passionate for both of us came to light. And so we really just wanted to, while she's home for Christmas break, we just really wanted to dig into it a little bit more and share our thoughts with you guys. So this is kind of just, we're just pulling it together, kind of just going for it. So forgive us if it's a little bit out there. (laughs) So um, you guys can probably tell that I'm kind of just totally killing it with this intro right now. So thanks. See, moral support. She's always so good. (laughs) So why don't you introduce yourself really quick for those who missed last week's episode? Uh, Hi, if you missed last week's episode, my name is Caitlin and I am, as I said last week, an avid listener of Flourishing with PTSD. Always nice Um, to meet a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, um, and one of Amanda's best friends, and I'm super thankful that I get this opportunity to um, kind of shed light on the issues that both of us are very passionate about. Yay! So exciting. So exciting. So today, Caitlin and I want to talk about anxiety and how we deal with anxiety differently and how anxiety overall... So first of all, anxiety, there's it's a big umbrella. There's a lot of things going on there. Um, a lot of people experience it differently. Um, there's so many different types of anxiety and so we really wanted to talk about how each of us experience anxiety um, and how we deal with it, how we cope with it, and what we really want you guys to know. So we'll start with Caitlin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how anxiety plays a role in your life? How, First of all, how would you personally define anxiety in your life, in your context? Um, so... For me, something we'll talk about a little later is how there are different types of anxiety. Um, and when I was a freshman in college, um, my the summer after my freshman year of college, um, I had a bunch of people telling me that I needed to go and um, meet with a therapist because there were a lot of um, stressors in my life that were kind of overwhelming me and just um, not allowing me to kind of live my life to its full potential. 
And so I did, and um, I was diagnosed with anxiety, um, specifically in regards to like my relationships and relationships that I have. And through that, it's definitely been very um, eye-opening and enlightening, just thinking about um, aspects of my past that have kind of created like um, a distrust that I have for people in general, and just being able to um, work through that and develop my friendships in a more positive way that um, allows for me to be able to be vulnerable with them and um, express to them um, ways that I might feel anxious or uncomfortable or just um, overwhelmed um, by just like any sort of experience I have with them. And so that has really kind of overwhelming, but also very um, beneficial. And it's definitely allowed me to have a lot of more deeper and meaningful relationships. Yeah, well, I'm glad that that is something that has helped you out. Um, I know I asked you this back at the time when you received your diagnosis I believe or at least I thought about asking you um (laughs) but how did you feel when you got that diagnosis it was definitely um for me it was very disheartening and frustrating um because I think a lot of times for me specifically something that I feel is that I just wish that things could just be easier for me and things could just be accessible and not as stressful and overwhelming and so that was kind of frustrating because it really kind of put a name to something that I had felt for a really long time and through that it made me realize that I had to make progress instead of just staying stagnant in this place that was super um just emotionally and at times physically like unhealthy for me to be in these places and these um relationships that were just really negative and I had to do a lot of self-work and a lot of um I had to really make a lot of progress like within myself to be able to kind of move forward and that was really frustrating um a lot of the time because it's not something that I always want to have to go through but yeah you gotta do it yeah you do you do gotta keep going so um you said that it was relationship anxiety specifically so what exactly does that mean what does relationship anxiety look like um well for me specifically in my circumstances um what that looks like is there's a lot of distrust I have with friendships Um, and so within that, um, there's a lot of different things that kind of play into that, but there's a lot of me assuming that people in my life are frustrated with me or upset with me and just kind of analyzing situations and coming to oftentimes the worst possible scenario where I view all of my friendships as things that could possibly turn into really negative situations and things that could, um, turn into like, really negative friendships and someone could be upset with me and not confess it to me and that could um be very overwhelming and so a lot of ways that manifests is in um me either drawing away from people or in me um kind of just assuming that someone's upset with me and reacting in like really like extreme or emotional ways at times yeah that makes a lot of sense and I'm sorry that you struggle with that because you are an awesome person you're an awesome person and (laughs) and um so that's that's a really big that's a really big thing to struggle with and deal with, especially when it comes to relationships with other people, for sure. What um, about you? Me. So, my anxiety is super... I would say it's kind of, I've never been diagnosed, first of all. I, I, as you guys know, I have post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which is a stress disorder. So, <laughs> um, anxiety is kind of, you know... Apartment. Yes, it's, it's very normal to for someone with post-traumatic stress disorder to have anxiety. Um, they call that coexisting. Um, and so it's really normal for people with PTSD to suffer from anxiety. Um, and I think that a lot of my anxiety is social. Um, 
because first of all, my boundaries were broken by somebody that in a safe place that was supposed to be a safe place at my school and it was a classmate of mine. And so I think that that really wrecked me. And I think that that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from. Not all of it, but definitely most of it. Um, and I've mentioned this very briefly on other episodes, but definitely, um, some anxiety from my childhood, um, where there was just a lot of secret keeping and miscommunication and, um, things like that. That's when my physical signs of anxiety started when I was about 12 and I would feel really sick. Um, but really my, yeah, my anxiety is mostly social. It's worrying about, um, how I come off to other people and worried about what people think of me and if I'm doing something wrong. Like I get anxious about playing board games because I'm worried that I'll play it wrong or I'm worried about trivia games because I don't want to look stupid or, um, and this isn't just like I'm nervous about it. It's physically. It takes the physical toll on you. Yeah, it does. And we'll talk about what our physical symptoms look like and what our symptoms in general look like in just a little bit. But, um, in terms of what my overall anxiety stems from, it's definitely, I'd say mostly social. I'm worried about how I come off to other people. Um, and I spend a lot of time kind of analyzing what people are thinking, Mm -hmm. even though it's probably not at all what, what it is. (laughs) That's what anxiety does. It messes with your head. Um, but yeah, so I'd say it's most, mostly social and how I come off to other, how I come off to other people. So yeah yeah um so I want to know for you um how do you cope now with your anxiety I know that it's been quite the journey if you want to take us through that journey Mm -hmm. of how it started out versus like now how do you cope and then we'll talk about actually no sorry let's talk about symptoms first okay because that that would make (laughs) a lot more sense so how what are your symptoms when you experience anxiety we'll start with mentally like what's going on in your head um what's really interesting is at one point I saw this um amazing kind of project that one of this artist did where it was part digital and part photography where um they took pictures of people um but then instead of their head they had various kind of um images that people described as their anxiety so there were various things like there was like like a box and like things like that but one of the ones that really kind of stood out to me was um there was a person and it had like it had just like their neck and at the top for their head instead of their head it was like just like this mist like this cloud and that's oftentimes how it feels mentally for me it feels like there are a multitude of pieces that for some reason aren't flowing correctly in my mind and it feels like that there are um just parts of situations that I'm analyzing where it, the pieces are there and the parts are there, but it's like I can't put them together in a way that's like healthy for me to be able to organize it. And at times that can get super overwhelming because um, if I start spiraling, then there's just a lot of times where it just kind of continues in this spiral. And I just kind of latch on to something that I view as like intense or stressful so I'll see like a friend and like a friend might look at me in a certain way and then I can then I just take that and I just run with it and start over analyzing every single action that they may do in that circumstance or every single um just thing they might emote and I start taking that and I just kind of like run with it and like look for ways that kind of validate my original thought and so that can be really really negative because I can um internally like just spiral into this really dark place where I 
immediately I'm like, oh, this person's upset with me. And then I can just an- overanalyze every single thing that they do until I get to the point where I'm like, wow, they are the most furious to me that they've ever been. And like, this is like, we're not, we're going to like, our friendship is going to like be over because of this, which can be really stressful and overwhelming. Yeah, it sounds like it. And um, I was talking about this thing at this party the other day, this Christmas party. And someone said to me, you know, Amanda, you can, you can prove you can find proof and justification for anything that you want. I think they called it like proof texting mm-hmm. in like in like a book. You can find anything to validate and justify anything you want. It might not be correct, but you will you will find anything to validate what you're thinking. So like you said, if you're spiraling and then you see like a facial expression in somebody that you're worried about, then you're like, oh, that right there is the proof that mm-hmm. what I'm thinking is correct. And that's why anxiety is so successful in being anxiety you know (laughs) for lack of better terms yeah um so I totally hear you with that and I feel for you for sure because I know that that has had an impact on our relationship as well yeah for sure and how we um navigate our friendship yeah um so that's kind of like the mental side of your anxiety what about the physical side does it like what are your physical symptoms um well for me they can manifest in a lot of different ways um Specifically, there are a couple ways that it kind of manifests, and obviously, like um, with anxiety, one of the thing, one of the main things that I've um, kind of learned in um, while educating myself on this is that it appears in a lot of different ways for different people. Um, and so, for me, um, just like in typical anxiety, it can like show itself physically in a lot of like situations where I can just see more withdrawn. Where if I think someone's upset with me, then I'll just get I'm as Amanda said in her last podcast, I'm extremely loud and extremely like um, <laughs> talkative and. Um, in those situations, I can seem very, very, very quiet and very, um, just like silent and less and more like, um, withdrawn from like any social situation, which is not like me. And so in that, that's kind of the, like the, the basic, um, way that it kind of manifests itself in physical situations. But another physical, um, way that my anxiety can manifest itself is through anxiety attacks, which is very overwhelming and stressful. And those again are experienced by different people in a lot of different ways. Um, but two of the main ways that I experience them are either in, um, and this normally happens if I'm like going to bed or if I'm like in like a really chill time. Um, and it's sort of like paralyzation where my body feels like I can't move, but my mind is just like racing and it's just completely just like overwhelmed. Um, and that normally happens if I'm like trying to sleep or go to bed and it's like things like that where I just feel completely trapped like physically. Um, but my mental state is just running like a full sprint. Like it's like absolutely, um, just going, going. And another way that that can kind of manifest is through, um, just a shortness of breath and the feeling that like, um, a feeling of panic and like that, like, I feel like I can't breathe and I feel like my, um, that nothing's going to be okay. Um, and something that commonly appears in those times is if, is like a feeling of like, un, like a lack of safety and a feeling of, um, like immediate danger, like your life is in danger. And so that's the way that it kind of manifests for me as well. Um, but yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. And I've definitely seen that, uh, from you over, over time Yeah, in some times and it's been, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really devastating to see, but you know, we work through it. Yeah. So what about you? What about physically and mentally? Um, for me, so mentally, I usually, I definitely shut down. Um, stress causes me to really shut down and like kind of, I don't know, like revert into myself mm-hmm. so that, cause like further inside, like deeper down is like my safe, my safe place. Like I'll be safe anywhere, like deep with inside myself. Mm-hmm. And so I shut down and like you, my mind just goes and goes and goes and goes. And I think of every scenario. So, um, 
a perfect example was when I was supposed to go to my orientation at school. I was supposed to take public transit there and I had never done it here before. I had done it at my other college, but it was a much shorter commute and I had done it a thousand times and I had done mm-hmm. it with people. And so this was going to be the first time I was doing it by myself and I was supposed to go and the bus ride, mind you, is also like an hour. Mm-hmm. And so... I was really stressed out about it. I had looked it up. I looked up the route online and I was like, okay, this is how it's going to be. This is how I'm going to do it. But the day came and I got up and I started getting ready and I felt like my brain just would not stop talking about all of the things like that could go wrong. Like who's going to be on the bus? Who's going to be watching me on the bus? Who like, is the bus driver going to be a man or a woman? Am I going to be the only girl on the bus? And things like that just keep on going. Um, and then it got to the point where I decided not to go. Mm-hmm. I, di- I just didn't go. I was like, you know what? I don't need friends on campus because, you know, at orientation, you usually meet people that you're going to recognize and have friendly faces on campus. But I refused to go. I just went back to bed and I went back to sleep and I stayed at home for the rest of the day. Um, and I was very disappointed in myself. And so then I became anxious about the fact that I wouldn't actually make it at school. And so it had this ripple effect where mm-hmm. I didn't, I gave into my anxiety at that point because it was just saying, hey, you're going to be safer if you stay at home mm-hmm. and like not do anything. And then it went into, okay, well now if I can't do that, then I can't do everything else. And so it had this like ripple effect of all these different issues. Mm-hmm. And then physically, I feel nauseous. Um, I get really sweaty. Like my face heats up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I start hyperventilating. And sometimes I throw up. Um, not often, but I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. I also, I can't sleep. I get really Mm -hmm. bad nightmares when I'm really stressed out. Um, you've actually been there Mm -hmm. at some sleepovers when I've had nightmares and that could be more probably attributed to the PTSD, but the anxiety definitely Mm -hmm. heightens my vulnerability to nightmares, I think. Um, and so that's also a really scary thing. And, um, but yeah, no, it's so debilitating. And I think that that's something that you and I can agree on. Yeah. Once once it sets in, it's just like, it almost feels like game over for that mm-hmm. situation or like whatever's happening. There's no way out. There's no end until it's just run its course. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so, I mean, that's something that obviously sucks. And would you say that you choose to be anxious about things? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And I think that... Um, there's a really specific example that kind of shows up in my mind. Um, because I think that a lot of times, um, like you're saying, like a lot of people feel like it's a choice where it's like, you're choosing to feel this way or you like, just like, just stop feeling this way. But a lot of times, um, if I've started in like a process of spiraling, then I, the thought of trying to bring myself out of it pushes me further into Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed. Um, so I remember a specific time, um, where it was um, last year in December, and I was with my boyfriend at the time, and there had been something that we had been arguing about, and um, I just remember immediately starting to feel overwhelmed because it was a situation where I knew we weren't going to see eye to eye, and we were very, um, and I was very, like, emotionally um, kind of drained at the time, and I just remember starting to feel overwhelmed and just starting to feel, like, completely just, like, stressed out and, like, overwhelmed because I just knew that this conflict was something that I just knew wasn't going to get resolved in that moment. And so in that moment, I had been like, I need to leave, like, I need to go. And, like, I just needed kind of a time to, like, kind of step away from the situation. And, like, he hadn't wanted that. Mm -hmm. And he wanted me to stay there. And so that was, like, super overwhelming for me. And I ended up um, 
having an anxiety attack in the middle of his kitchen floor. And it was just very, very, very stressful because at that time I remember thinking, I should not do this. Like, I should not experience this right now. Like, I should not have these feelings and this needs to stop and I need to, like, calm down. But with that, like, the overwhelming feeling of, like, worrying that he was upset with me for having this anxiety attack was mixed with the feelings of him already being upset with me and that combined just completely set me over the edge because it was just so overwhelming trying to like to stop myself after I'd already spiraled into this place where I was like I can't do anything about this and this is like where I am and so that's really overwhelming and stressful because you don't want to experience that and you don't want to be in that place and there have just been it's just it's really really difficult because there are so many times where you where before I've had an anxiety attack I've sat there and I've realized like like oh no like this is good this is leading to like a very intense situation and like in the circumstance where I'm like I need to stop this I need to stop this and that kind of urgency and that like need to like stop it especially for the fear of other people mm-hmm. having to watch me go through this or watch me experience this is even more overwhelming because and especially in a situation where I'm already upset and already stressed about someone um, being frustrated with me, like in those circumstances, like that feeling just becomes like so much more intensified and it just gets to a place where even if you like wish to like stop it, that can be more of a stressor than um, before. Yeah, because when you hear, whether you hear it from somebody else or hear it from yourself, like, oh, just just stop, like get out of it so that you don't have to go through this because it's obviously super taxing. It's like, okay, no, like, first of all, telling me, again, to get over it, that's very victim-blaming mm-hmm. sounding. That doesn't just apply to PTSD. That applies to so many things, and anxiety mm-hmm. is definitely one of them. And if you're asking those questions, I mean, I'm happy that you obviously don't understand what it's like to have anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm happy that you don't have anxiety, but then, like, think about what you're provoking in that other person that does have anxiety, mm-hmm. because that's like telling someone who has the flu to just get over the flu right now. Like, yeah. just don't feel your symptoms. You'll be, you'll be okay. Just go to work. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, that's just not how it works. And so, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's something that's also just really misunderstood. I'm told all the time, just get over it or you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And it's like, mm-hmm. thanks. I feel so much better now. No. Um, and so, cause when I Googled the definition for anxiety, this is what came up. It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event uh, or something with an uncertain outcome. Um, and so that's that's just something that I relate to so strongly, and I think that that really yeah. defines it very well, um, <laughs> which is, good job, Google. <laughs> um, and so, if, yeah, for me personally, in my experience, I, yeah, once the anxiety has set in. I can't stop it. I have to kind of let it do its thing. And then once I'm like coming on the downside of being kind of over like the panic attack or the anxiety attack or whatever it is that I'm feeling, that's when I can start putting my thoughts together of, okay, I'm going to be okay. This is like what I'm going to do to fix the situation, or this is how I can deal with the situation so that I can create less tension because the point of anxiety is that there's so much tension going on that you feel out of control. And that's Mm -hmm. why anxiety is so strong and so intimidating is because anxiety occurs when we feel out of control. And so the solution for anxiety is therefore to find a way to have control, Mm -hmm. obviously in an appropriate, appropriate manner, (laughs) I guess. And like, you know, cause you can't like, 
you know, say, oh, you know, the fact that it's raining today makes me feel really out of control. And so <laughs> I'm gonna try and get control by making the sun come out. Like that's, you know, that like, first of all, that's pretty much impossible. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what I'm alluding to is that, you know, like you, you, you need to be able to find ways to have control of your situation in an appropriate, reasonable way, I would think, at least in my situation, that would work mm-hmm. for me. Um, but it takes time to get there and you have to be in the proper mindset with the right people or maybe by yourself if that works better for you Mm -hmm. um, in order to feel better about it. But it's not something that we just choose to deal with. No one wants to (laughs) go through anything like that. Because literally, I've heard some people describe anxiety attacks or panic attacks as like they they think they're having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Um, They're that scary. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So for you, how has anxiety... Like, how do you think anxiety has impacted your life and maybe, like, the people around you? Um, I definitely think that it has obviously impacted my life in a really tremendous way. But I think that something that is really difficult for me is that um, it's, it's hard because a lot of people view situations that, like, specifically um, are more overwhelming for me in the sense of there's a lack of trust and that could be really really hard for me because a lot of the times um I'm not able to physically control when I start to become like overwhelmed by a situation um and that tends to be in a lot of friendships that I have where I'll like assume that a friend is like upset with me or frustrated with me and then I'll just kind of take that and run with it and a lot of times that has been overwhelming for my friends because they see that as like a lack of trust in them Mm. or a lack of like um belief in like our friendship like how could you think that or you know yeah like like, why would you think that like don't you know me like don't you know that like we're so close and like Mm. I would never like be upset with you about something like that and so that can be really really overwhelming and stressful especially for me because um just based on like a lot of experience I have in my past a lot of times um something that I've gone through is having someone in my life appear or say that they're not upset with me when they really are and then it coming up later and being a really 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 toxic and destructive environment where um they're extremely frustrated with me and just um I've had to deal with a lot of like toxic anger and things like that where um that has been really overwhelming for me where I feel like I never truly know if someone's upset with me or not because they always could be and just not talking to me about it in that moment and so um with like that that can be really difficult for people who have never treated me in that way mm-hmm. where they can see that and they can be like I would never do this to you like I promise I would never do this to you like how can you feel this way about me and so that can be kind of overwhelming um and that's kind of a way that it manifests in my relationships and it can be um has been kind of um just like a trial that I've had to go through with a lot of my different friendships mm-hmm. so how do you work through that now with like more of your insight and um obviously experience and trial and error how do you deal with that now whether it's in like intimate relationships or just with friendships in general yeah so a lot of that is within trusting um the people that I care about and I think that that is something that has been really really difficult for me to like encounter but something that I've definitely grown a lot um in in that area is that just trusting my friends if they've proven themselves to be trustworthy just trusting them when they say that they're not upset with me and um a lot of that has to do with me also being honest and vulnerable about being like, are you upset with me right now? And then, um, before it even sprouts into something else and then being like, what does this mean? Or asking for clear, asking clarifying questions. Like, 
when you said a specific thing that I feel like upset me, like, what did that mean? And like, did you mean it in this context? Um, and so that in a way, if I stop, um, my spiraling process before it even starts, then that can in a lot of ways be really beneficial because I can be like, okay, so they said this thing to me that was frustrating and they said this thing that was overwhelming and how can I work to like understand it better? So there's an example where my friend, um, we were at dinner with all our friends and I remember she had said, well, I'm not telling you that. And she had said that to me and I was really stressed and I was like, why would she not want to tell me this? Like, is she upset with me? Does she not trust me to tell me this? Like, what does that mean? And later when I asked for clarifying questions, I realized um, through talking with her that I had been like misjudging her tone and she had just meant that I'm not telling you that in this moment. Right now is not the time and place where we can have this conversation. And so through that, like that was really eye-opening for me because I realized that I'd taken a situation where I had heard something from someone and perceived it as negative and just turned it into this like really, really overwhelming um, kind of experience. And so another thing that has been helpful for me is learning how to advocate for myself in a way where I can tell my friends how to communicate with me and how to like talk with me in situations where I might feel overwhelmed or stressed. Um, cause there's a lot of situations where I'm like, if you're upset with me, like I need you to be direct. I need you to be straight up. I need you not to, um, be kind of like secretive about it or talk to like, um, other people before you talk to me in a lot of situations like that. It's been really, really beneficial to be able to kind of um, have those conversations with people that I trust. Yeah. And I think that you and I have also worked through that too, because I think a habit in most of our friendship has been, if you and I, for example, have something that maybe we're struggling with the other about mm-hmm. our first instinct was to talk to other people about it first of all not not just not in like a rude or facetious way mm-hmm. but just like a I need clarity like am I the one messing up is the other one messing up or like wh- where's the miscommunication but then mm-hmm. I think you and I both took that as why isn't she just talking to me about it mm-hmm. which is really what should have happened and what uh-huh. should happen mm-hmm. but I think that that way of thinking kind of gets clouded really quickly. And I like what you said about just kind of like setting boundaries and advocating for yourself in the terms of, okay, if you see something that is going to keep you up at night in the future, like it could cause you to have an anxiety attack or make you feel really uncomfortable. You like just kind of try and get to it right away and say, are you upset with me? Or are you Mm -hmm. like, what what are you doing? What's going on here? What what did you mean by that? So that you don't have to sit with it. Yeah. Um, Because that kind of goes to prove that you you don't choose anxiety Mm -hmm. you get to know your anxiety over time and as it works like okay this is how I'm gonna deal with it this is like when something comes up I'm just gonna try and confront it right there because confrontation is also really scary and that can be anxiety provoking for a lot of people Um, it is for me and that's why I usually wait things out because I get really intimidated really fast and I'm like I need to think about this because also like part of the PTSD is when I confront people about things, I get something like something really bad happens. Yeah. And so that's a mode of thinking that I've also had to break. But again, when that coexists with the anxiety, it gets really confusing. And for you, it's like, okay, what if they're mad at me though? Then yeah, exactly. And so that's one of the things that is stressful for me is like confrontation in that sense. Um, if you don't have like a complete trust with someone is that confrontation can cause someone to be upset with you. It can cause someone to be like angry with you. And so like that fear like lives like, within those situations for me where I'm like, wait, like if I talk to this person, they could have the potential of being angry with me for feeling this way. And so that could be really stressful. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I want to just talk about a couple of things. So I'm looking right now at my computer, mm-hmm. uh, neurocorecenters.com. That's N E U R O C O R E 
C-E-N-T-E-R-S.com. And there's a couple of things that they talk about anxiety on here, just some facts. And I'm, in, I'm just going to read the titles of some of the sections. And if you're interested, please go and check it out and see if it can help you out at all. Um, and we can talk about each one and yeah, just kind sure. of talk about what we think. So the first one on here, and we're going to skip around a little bit on some of these, but uh, the first one on there says that there are six main types of anxiety disorders. So obviously, like, Caitlin, you said that you have, like, relationship anxiety. Mine's more of, like, a social stemmed anxiety, um, also paired with, you know, PTSD. Um, that one's pretty cut and dry. Um, what about this one? What do you think about this one? Um, anxiety is more prevalent in developed countries and among women. Um, well, I think that, um, that definitely is interesting that, um, it is more developed in women. And I think that, um, though with that though, that it's, Interesting because I think that um, the term developed is a little bit um, colonial. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I don't really know how I feel about that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I definitely know a lot of women in my life who experience anxiety. Um, I also know a lot of men in my life who experience anxiety. And so it's definitely something that I think is... Um, can be brought more awareness. Um, and so I think maybe that that can be related to the lack of awareness um, for men mm-hmm. feeling comfortable enough to step forward and talk about their mental health. Yeah, and that's something else, is that it might be more diagnosed among mm-hmm. women. Yeah. But because women are more likely to seek out um, counseling and mental health help, whereas mm-hmm. men are not. Yes, yeah. Um, I've heard that a lot from a lot of different sources, and I can't yeah. name them off the top of my head, but I know that in my psychology classes that's something that is talked about a lot is the fact yeah. that women are more likely to advocate for their mental health than men. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is unfortunate because men are definitely shunned when they show yeah. their vulnerable emotional side, which honestly personal, personal preference and you can take it how you want. But I think that any guy who is comfortable enough to share his feelings and be emotional so that I actually know what he's thinking and feeling mm-hmm. that shows more masculinity to me and more, Definitely. And I'm more able to relate to that than someone who tries to be strong and, like, stone-faced and not phased by anything. Because then I feel insignificant and unsuccessful. Yeah. And speaking from experience, I think that that men being in touch with their emotions is incredibly important. Because if you um, choose to just cast off your emotions, that can cause a lot of problems in a relationship. Because it can um, allow you to appear, like, distant or not be able to completely... um, feel like you can advocate for your emotional needs in a way that's, like, constructive. And so I think that that's something that's, like, incredibly important in any relationship is for partners to be able to do that with each other. Yeah, for sure. Totally. And also, with, like, the developed countries piece, I also think that that's kind of, like, with the men not actually advocating for their uh, mental health. I would think, again, I'm not a professional or historian or anything like that, but I would think that in underdeveloped countries or you know like third world countries you would think that like anxiety is definitely a thing but they're anxious about different things and they might be like worried about different things I don't know if it could be like clinical anxiety but they probably have like different kinds of problems therefore different different anxieties I don't I don't know if it would be again diagnosable but you know you know yeah I think that that though that um mental health appears differently and different Mm -hmm. places of the world and so um just because we do it a certain way in the United States it doesn't mean that um, we should view other countries as less developed or view other countries as less progressive in the terms of their mental health. So I'm not really, 
yeah. a fan of that one. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. Okay. So the next one is that about half of those diagnosed with anxiety disorders also suffer from depression. Mm. So I've heard a lot to back this up. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I took a psych research methods class this last quarter at my school, and this is something that we actually studied, not in depth, but my professor definitely mentioned it, and I'm not surprised because if you're anxious about everything that you mm-hmm. feel like you have to isolate yourself from something of some kind that you still want to be a part of, but you're so anxious that you can't actually do it, depression is definitely going to be mm-hmm. there. And I totally, I can totally see how that comes up. And I definitely feel for anyone that, that really struggles with that. And I definitely recommend at least seeing a medical professional just to explore your options and see what's Mm -hmm. out there to improve your quality of life because anxiety and depression are not your only label you're also a person who deserves to live their best life and get the most out of it Mm -hmm. and you definitely can um just because we have anxiety and just because we have depression or some of you have depression or whatever it doesn't mean that that's the end all be all like there's so much out there to be explored, so much out there to advocate for. You just have to take that step. And I know that that's so scary, but it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that for me specifically, um, I've never been diagnosed with depression and I don't feel comfortable like self, mm-hmm. um, self-diagnosing. <laughs> um, but I do think that that is something that I've seen in a lot of people that I care about and a lot of things that are common um, in people that I love where um, these things definitely, mental health um, issues tend to go hand in hand, and so a lot of people who experience um, one or the other um, can also experience both. And I think that it's definitely something that's very overwhelming and very stressful and definitely um, seeking help when you can and being able to recognize um, the kind of like things that are straining on you mentally within yourself and being able to um, advocate for yourself and recognize like your need to like go like seek a mental health professional is definitely helpful. Yeah, for sure. And then, anxious people are more sensitive to changes in facial expressions. (laughs) We already kind of talked about this What do you know? See? That's just validation right there. There you go. And the last one, socially anxious, don't worry. Research says that your friends think you're pretty great. That's awesome. I love that. I love that too. So, which is also true in our situation. Yeah, there you go. We think (laughs) So again, that's at neurocorecenters.com. We did not talk about all of them, but they are on there if you want to check that out. Um, And the title is Eight Fascinating Facts About Anxiety, Symptoms, Statistics, and Mm -hmm. Efforts to Reduce the Stigma. Because we want to hashtag end the stigma. Amen. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I know that they're kind of lengthy, but it's so worth it because got to get all that great info and the more perspectives, the better for sure. So is there anything else that you want to mention? Oh, yeah. What do you want anyone out there struggling with anxiety to know? Um, I think that one of the things that I feel like I would like for anyone to know is that it's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. And it's important to have a great support system who, um, and to find people who will work to try to understand who you are and understand, um, kind of what the points of like overwhelming um emotion can be for you so that they can help advocate for you um in a way and I remember last year I was going through a really really tough time and um one of my um best friends for where I live currently she looked at me and she she started to like her face looked a little like stressed and I'd like been talking a lot and I looked at her and I was like what and she's like I just started to watch you spiral 
And like that was like overwhelming for me knowing that someone like cared about me enough to like to notice when I had started to um kind of start down this dark path and she didn't able to kind of like stop me and like talk me through like um a way that I could um start to like rationalize my thoughts and like organize my like thoughts into a way that could like um make sense logically and so that was really 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 helpful and so like being able to find people like that is really like beneficial and helpful and whether that be someone you care about like a friend or a parent or even a teacher or just any sort of person um a coworker or just even a therapist just being able to find someone who's willing to listen to you and like help you work through your feelings and your emotions is incredibly important and beneficial for sure yeah um I have a question for both of us. Um, yeah. What is something that you would tell someone who has a relationship um, with someone who has anxiety? Ooh, that is the question, isn't it? Um, let's see. What would I tell someone who is in a relationship with someone who has anxiety? Yeah. I would tell them that patience and mm-hmm. validation are your biggest and bestest tools. They go a long way. <laughs> yes, because that's all anyone with anxiety wants. Mm -hmm. They want to feel like who they are is okay, Mm -hmm. which is the validation piece. And having someone there who has been patient enough to allow you to spiral and who is going to be there to help Mm -hmm. pick you up and help you figure out how to logically put yourself back together like in terms of your thoughts and how you're going to rally and be Mm -hmm. resilient. Um, I know that when... I did my podcast with my ex-boyfriend, Jacob. We talked a lot about taking things slow and Mm -hmm. just allowing people to be who they are because as long as you're together, it doesn't matter. And um, so if you really care about that person, you're going to give them the space and you're going to not degrade or demean their feelings Mm -hmm. because that's who they are. That's part of who they are. It's not all of them, but it is a huge part of who they are and why would someone want to change who you are? You mm-hmm. know, because anxiety comes from a place of caring about mm-hmm. something so much that it... it Overwhelms just, you, yeah. Yeah, it just like physically overwhelms you and you can't, you don't know how to deal with it. And so just being patient and validate mm-hmm. for sure. What about you? Yeah. Um, I think for me, Something that I've learned a lot from um, my various relationships, both with friends and um, with partners, is that something that's important is making sure that you do everything in your power to never be a source of mm. overwhelming emotion for them. Um, that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. and um, But for me specifically, and, and um, I think for maybe other people who may experience anxiety in the form of um, relationships, it's making sure that at no matter what happens in every situation, that person knows that you love them and care for them. Um, because that's something that like, no matter what fight you're going through or what um, situation you're going through where you feel overwhelmed or anxious or frustrated, um, making sure that that person knows that you love them and you care about them at the end of any situation is definitely, I feel like, the biggest thing that is helpful. Um, I Last year was in a situation where someone I very, very, very much cared about um, had told me that they didn't love me. And it was very, very stressful and overwhelming um, because it's someone you put a lot of trust in. And so making sure that you put all of your care into someone and making sure that you allow them to know that no matter what happens, that you will always care for them and always love them is something that is incredibly helpful and beneficial. And that's that on that. Nice. Well, 
Awesome. Thank you so much for being vulnerable. And thank you for having me. Of course. It's always a pleasure. And um, yeah, that I think sums it all up for the episode on anxiety. So if you have a story with anxiety that you would like to share um, either with me or that you would like me to pass along, I love sharing feedback from you guys. So let me know how you deal with anxiety, how you cope, and maybe some success stories because success stories Mm-hmm. are what I live for. Amen. <laughs> so um, that just goes to spreading the joy in the world, sharing some good stuff, and um, I will look forward to talking to you guys next week with a brand new episode. So stay tuned for that, and keep smiling out there. Spread the love, spread the joy, and we will talk soon. Bye. Bye.